Council approach the bench. You play to win. And I don't care if you don't have any win. You go play to win. When you start telling me it doesn't matter, then retire. Get out. Because it matters. Pulls up three-pointer. Bang! Bang! It's good! Wins the game at the buzzer! You can't handle the truth. All rise. Here comes the judge. Order, order, order in the court. Oi, oi, oi. What's going on, everybody? Conlon Farrell back with you. The best part of your week starts right now. Bench points with Conlon Farrell. Another episode today. Joining me, a pair of bulls from University of Buffalo School of Law, the debaters on this week's show of bench points, Michael Perlow and Jeremy Torres. Jeremy, you can see, has just gotten off the beach at the grotto down there in Florida. He's tan. He's handsome. Michael Perlow. You got some jersey going on back there. Now, tell, tell me that's an intramural league something. Tell me that is at least some value that's a on good, the offshore market. Go ahead. That's a good old Brooks Robinson signed jersey. Can't take credit for that jersey, but it is my, it's my pop. So Brooks Robinson. Now, now, did you play the hot corner growing up? Uh, unfortunately, I got stuck there one year, but I was a catcher primarily. Very good. Well, gentlemen, great to have you on. You've seen how this show runs. We're like, we're rolling ahead here. Down the tracks we go. So 45 seconds on the clock, we're going to propose three debate topics across uh, the sports world, sports law world, that is. Bench points always brought to you by Conduct Detrimental, your leader in sports law coverage. So let's start. And now you guys are both. Now Jeremy Torres is graduating from the University of Buffalo this week. Congratulations to 3L. Now coming in the vice president. Thank uh, you. What's that, the Sports Law Society at um, Buffalo there, Mike? Is that where you're going to be heading up soon? Yes, sir. All righty. So got a couple of talented, young hot shots here. We're going to get going. We'll stay in the college ranks. The NCAA NIL, it's been a hot button topic basically since its inception back in July of 2021. We've seen deals worth multi millions of dollars, players seemingly being bought at this point. Guys, it's been the Wild West. I've said that over and over again. ADs, coaches, they don't know what to do. They don't know how to keep players. It's not about the sport. It's not about academics anymore. It's about the cold, hard cash, like Randy Moss once said. Straight cash, homie. And so now we're going to start it. Jeremy Torres, the senior, we're going to kick it to you. Should the NCAA retroactively punish schools for NIL violations? There's no loss as of yet, but when they do set some guidelines, should they be able to go back and say, hey, this has broke the code. Now you guys are going to face some punishments, some sanctions there. 45 seconds on the clock. Go ahead, sir. Torres. Look, everyone here knows that players are earning money off of their NIL is great. I'm not here to say that they shouldn't be. But what I am here to say is pay for play is not what we should be doing. And that's exactly what we have right now. You have schools like BYU and Miami lining up with boosters in these programs, salarying these athletes. And it's not a good look. These schools are getting advantages that the NCAA did not account for. Uh, these athletes are getting paid essentially a stipend to go to these schools is what they're calling it. But it is what it is. It's a salary and they're getting paid it. And it's the wild, wild west. And soon Will Smith is going to be smacking people at the Oscars with what's going <laughs> on right now. They need to be retroactively fun. All right. 45 to Michael Perlow. Go ahead. Jeremy, it's a good point though, but I'll, I'll be the first one to say the NCAA did nothing to prepare for this. They gave no warnings prior. They just shouldn't be allowed to retroactively discipline these schools, especially since the boosters are the ones that are really 
bringing these players in and getting them paid what they're currently getting paid. And I also will say, I think the current market for these players is inflated just like our economy right now. I think it's going to like over time and in the next couple of years, people will realize an investment in an 18 to 19 year old athlete, it's just not going to be worth what it is in this current market where everything's so new and we don't really know how to handle it. All right. Wow. With 10 seconds on the clock. Perla says, that's all I need. Torres, use your full 30 here. Your rebuttal. Look, saying boosters would be doing this anyways or anything involved with boosters is the easiest argument you can make. And it's also not necessarily true. At this rate, boosters are going to be having their company logos on these jerseys to recoup that the money that they're giving to all these athletes. Um, look at Notre Dame. Look at Syracuse. They both got retroactively punished for things that happened years prior. Go to USC campus and go ask Reggie Bush how they feel about retroactive punishments. Not that they're okay, but they do, do happen and there's no reason why the NCAA couldn't do that same thing here now. So two seconds. All left. right. Final Perlo. No, you're right. The retroactive punishments have happened in the past and all, but I think it's time for the NCAA to take a step back and let this thing play out a little bit. If we can clearly say after, you know, one to two more years from now that competition's diminishing because these pairs, players are getting paid so much. I think that's the time the NCAA can step in and, start to really regulate this thing. But as of right now, I think we need to let it, let it unfold, see where it goes. And I don't think there is a need for retroactive punishment as of right now. All right. Michael Perlow, keeping it under time guys. Great first debate topic right there, but the point goes with Perlow. Listen, Jeremy, some solid points made on your end. The Reggie Bush one, I thought was a great point to bring up, but what Reggie Bush did at the time was still against the NCAA rules. This there's no rules right now. Literally, it's like Little Caesar's Pizza. There's no rules. You take your shirt off. Put your shirt back on. There's one rule. All right? So right now, the NCAA, the landscape of NIL is absolutely free for all. So unfortunately, as much – because I think now if you're saying we have to go retroactively punish, we're going to be looking at sanctions for more than half of the Power 5 schools that have been involved in the NIL and its landscape since it started back in July. I think that's just too big of a headache for the NCAA. They don't want to be a part of it. And certainly, you know, if schools are getting punished, they're going to be going after the NCAA and their punishments that they receive. So point one, Perlo, but we'll go into debate topic number two. Well done, guys. Heated. Listen, NIL, it's not going away, but we definitely need to make some adjustments to it to keep the amateurism in college athletics. Point one, Perlo. Now moving to the professional leagues. We'll go the NBA here. We are in a heated battle across the NBA playoffs. A lot of good series going on. One in particular, the Memphis Grizzlies. John Morant, their superstar, exceptional, averaging nearly 40 points a game in this playoff series. But it looks like he's not going to be available for game four in Golden State Monday night. Now, that's because he was injured on play by Jordan Poole, another great young player for the Golden State Warriors. We're going to show you the video right here of uh, Poole and Morant. There was a top of the key. They're going for the ball. But let's let's see Jordan Poole's reaction to the injury that he caused on John Morant. Yeah, I mean, it was a basketball play. We went and we doubled him. Um, and I hit the ball and I was going for the ball. I mean, obviously, you don't want to see anybody get hurt. Um, I'm not even that type of player. I respect everybody. So, I mean, obviously, hopefully we get better. Hopefully he gets better and, um, you know, we can see him out there in this game. But, you know, I don't even play like that for real. 
All right, guys. So there you have Jordan Poole. Obviously, a lot of chippiness going on in this series already with the Draymond Green flagrant foul ejection um, early in that series. Then Dylan Brooks gets suspended for a hard foul. Look, guys, we're staying with the theme of retroactiveness, if that is a theme. But should Jordan Poole, should the NBA go out and suspend him for game four now, basically rendering the Grizzlies almost, uh, I don't know how they win a game four without their superstar, John Morant. Perlo, you hold serve here. Go ahead, debate topic number two. All righty. So, I mean, like you said, the series has been chippy the whole time. And I think the league has a duty to set the precedent where this conduct isn't allowed. Now, it's kind of hard to see throughout the video, but he definitely makes contact with his knee. And, you know, I think that it's intentional contact there. Like he's trying that since the series has been chippy, I think they're trying to play pretty hard and trying to make uh, like make a statement here. And so the league has a duty to keep its star players on the field. Football's done a really good job of that by protecting its quarterbacks. And so basketball should be doing the same thing. John Morant really needs to be on the field for, you know, the popularity of basketball as a whole. And he's a key player in this series. I think Jordan Poole's got to get suspended for game four if he's if John Morant's going to be out. All right, 45 Torres. Yeah, so with all the sports you just named, assumption of risk. When, when you play a sport, especially at a pro level, you know that injury is going to happen. When have we ever seen players all of a sudden get suspended for a player being injured? That's just not something that happens. It's clear that slow motion videos too have gone too far. If you look at the video in real time, there's no indication, unlike the Dylan Brooks video, that anything harmful or wrongful was going on. Jordan Poole has, doesn't have a reputation of a dirty player. Um, and if you follow Jaws' career and you know the Memphis Grizzlies, one of their MOs is being petty. And this seemed just like a petty tweet <laughs> from John Morant. It didn't seem like anything more of him trying to say, you broke the code back, just to try to get something out of it and also make headlines. This is kind of Jaws' MO, and he's a great player, but this is what he does. Save it for the 30, parallel 30. I mean, I agree with you. I think I think that replay may, may have gotten a little bit too far at this point, Jeremy, but like I was saying before, John Morant's one of the faces of this league now, and I think the league's going to have to do something to make sure that you know, these flagrant fouls are kept in check because you got to have these guys on the court for the popularity of the sport. And I think knowing that Jordan Poole is a little bit less valuable of a player, they were they were okay with throwing him out there. And if he is going to be make that intentional contact with his knee and try to, you know, knock Ja out for the next game, then he's going to have to face some repercussions for that. And I think that the video isn't all that clear, but you can tell that it is intentional contact there. 30 Torres round us out. Yeah, so Russell Westbrook would have the same argument when Pat Bev went at his knees. You can also say that Jordan Poole is a less important player than Ja, but I'm pretty sure if you look at their scoring numbers, yeah, Ja's had some huge games, but so is Jordan Poole. He's just as important to that offense. And even Jaron Jackson Jr. admitted that that was a basketball play or something of the like. You can't just go out here and suspend players uh, for a star player being injured. Because also when the playoffs are where stars are born, Look at Kawhi Leonard. He made his whole stardom off of coming alive in those finals. You can't just say one player is better than another just because another got hurt. Guys, right. not as important as Jordan Poole. Come on. <laughs> well, Jordan Poole, he's certainly begun to make a name for himself. Kawhi Leonard, it wasn't just one series. Kawhi Leonard built off that initial run he had with the Spurs down there on his young career, and he built himself into an NBA champion. Look, Jeremy Torres evening the score here at one. 
It's a play 40 feet away from the basket. The NBA players are going, moving so fast that, yeah, did he grab his knee? Did it look bad on camera? Probably. But when you slow everything down in any sport, you guys, you can have that thought in the back of your mind, oh, there's some malintent. Like you mentioned, Dylan Brooks, that was a hard, hard foul. This was nothing. This wasn't even a flagrant foul on Jordan Poole. So, look, I don't think there's anything there. Extremely unfortunate if you're a Memphis Grizzlies fan and you might think otherwise. You might think that you know, Poole should be you know, sent to Alcatraz, but no dice. Jeremy Torres, 1-1, moving to topic number three. Excellent work out of you two gentlemen to start us here. We're even at one. A lot of people think this show, this is an amateur hour. You guys are making real hard debates here, stating stone cold facts. So I'm not just willy nilly giving it to the guy that's, uh, you know, down a point after one round just to make him feel good. No, you got to earn this here. So Jeremy Torres, you earned that last round, getting a point there, evening the score at one. Well, guys, it's been a tumultuous offseason in the NFL, to say the least. Owners are under fire, and rightfully so. A lot of this alleged misconduct is pretty sickening. So we'll start with this here. News out of Las Vegas this week. Dan Ventral, the longtime president of football operations for the Las Vegas Raiders, fired this week by Mark Davis, the owner, after Ventral says he brought alleged misconduct by Davis to the NFL's attention, to Roger Goodell and the league office's attention. Mark Davis didn't take too kindly to that. Certainly, he wrote his ticket out of the casino there in Las Vegas, the Raiders organization. So, Jeremy Torres, you won last round. You'll get to go first. We're going to phrase it like this. We always love action. We love cashing tickets on this show here. So, I'm going to get a little betting line here for you. Dan Snyder, the owner of the Washington Commanders, for now, we'll see what happens there. He's had a rap sheet longer than the Ten Commandments of uh, wrongdoings in Washington. Let's see. Let's set the line here like this. Who's more likely to receive discipline from the league office first? Would it be Dan Snyder at minus 120 or Mark Davis for his alleged misconduct at plus 180? Torres, to you. Look, Snyder's not even just a favorite here. He's a lock. Uh, If you look at Mark (laughs) Davis, for one, he's not actually carrying out these actions that's going on right now. Yes, he may have done the firing, but who even knows that? If you look at Snyder, there's sexual harassment, comment about people or women's bodies. You have video recordings of these cheerleaders. And to make it even worse, he's messing with the money of other owners by messing with the books and not revenue sharing properly. And if there's one thing you don't do in the NFL, you can wrong anybody, but not the owners, (laughs) not Goodell. And when it comes to their money, do not mess with a bunch of billionaires like Jerry Jones, who all they want to do is earn money. Because if it was championships, the Cowboys would have a lot more. Michael Perlow, 45. I've placed my fair share of bets, and Davis plus 180 is very juicy. I don't know how you don't take that right away after what Ventral just came out and said. The fact that there was multiple female employees complaining about Mark Davis and saying that there was misconduct in the workplace there. Just wait for that all all to come out. I mean, it's just all about to unravel for the Raiders there. This isn't the first thing that's coming out about him either. You got the whole John Gruden scandal that the NFL is still investigating. And pretty much Davis is on the hot seat just as much as Snyder at this point. I think once you start to dig a little bit deeper and they start to learn a little bit more about what really was going on in the Vegas in the Vegas front office, Davis is the easy bet here. All right, Torres, 30 seconds. You know, it, it's funny that they say in Las Vegas the house always wins because right now they're about to lose. If you look at these allegations, you have the exact same or similar allegations against the two of them. When it comes to these women, 
One of them has settled for millions of dollars. The other one hasn't. Now, strip away those allegations. What do you have? You still have the fact that Snyder was hiding money from the rest of the owners, from Goodell, the revenue sharing and the ticketing. That's huge. That's how the NFL gets their bread and butter. That's they're supposed to be a community and they're supposed to be a brotherhood per se. And now you have one of them stealing from the others. That's not going to fly with the rest. Finally, Michael Perlo, 30 seconds, round us out of our debate topic number three. Once they start to shed light on the toxic environment that Davis was hosting over there, I think it's going to become much more clear that he's doing just as much heinous th- things as Snyder has been. I mean, once this comes out and, and Ventrell has a retaliation claim against Davis, I think you're going to start to see a lot more of the gruesome details that are really going to put Davis at the forefront of being the owner that really should be disciplined ahead of Snyder. Snyder, don't get me wrong, Snyder's done just as many bad things, but I think between this and with what happened with John Gruden, you're going to start to see the toxic culture that was really brewing over there in Las Vegas. All right, and squeak goes the gavel, and that rounds us out of the beat topic. Number three, Dan Snyder, Mark Davis. Who gets the slap on the wrist coming from the league first? Well, Jeremy Torres, you graduate from Buffalo this week. You've graduated from this episode of Bench Points as the victor. Congratulations. Look, if we get that, I love that Michael Perlow said too juicy because I love a juicy line. Give me that plus money all day of the week and twice on Sundays. But look, this time, minus 120, it's it's a favorite, but it's not an overwhelming favorite. So I would lay that wager there. Like I said, Dan Snyder's rap sheet is so extensive at this point. They got to do something. And if they were to do something to Davis first and Snyder still walks free, we got to know what he has on Goodell or Goodell's wife, whatever else is going on, something he has on Roger Goodell. Because this guy is walking with just no care in the world. No, can do no wrong. Really good stuff out of both you gentlemen. All right. A pair of bulls going head to head. Torres stuck him with the best horn there. And he wins this episode of Bench Points with Conlon Farrell. Brought to you by Conduct Detrimental. Well done, sir. Well done. Sending yourself off into the sunset. Let's not forget here. Our last segment, we always round out the show here. You're new, but with contempt of court. Who made a flub, a a blunder, something in the sports law, sports world this week that we need some commentary on. And actually segues perfectly from our final topic, the NFL owners just bungling things this offseason. And who else? Well, he would be remiss if he wasn't in the mix of the headlines, good or bad, Jerry's world down there in Dallas, Texas. Here's Jerry Jones basically showing reporters and the media who the Cowboys were looking to take. Let's look. Let me put it like this. We have both of them. Oh, boy. Three days ago. We got this one and we got that one that we're looking for. If you can get that camera zoomed in, man. Sorry, why you ended up with Tyler Smith in the place. Yeah. So it was all smiles, but through the smiling of grit teeth, it looks like. And yes, who made that comment? Perlo. Um, we don't have the graphic up there, but with the Twitter sleuths that are all out there, they enhance the imagery there. And who was the first two names on the Cowboys list? Do you guys know? Wasn't it uh, Kayvon and uh, Evan Neal? Correct. And who do they play for now? 
The rival New York Giants. So the New York football giants. So Jerry Jones, in his infinite wisdom, thought he was going to be a slick down there in the big D. But Jerry just showed his cards, and he had a pocket twos. He had Evan Neal and Kayvon Thibodeau as the Cowboys' two highest-graded players going into the 2022 NFL Draft. So there you go. Jerry Jones thinking he's slick. Uh, listen, they, they have they have a first-round pick. They make it. Definitely not one of those guys. Uh, Kayvon and Evan Neal were also both gone by the eighth pick. The Giants took them at five and seven, respectively. So, Jerry, uh, listen, buddy, I would I would – you know, I mean, hold yourself back from taking the mic because you could see Mike McCarthy. They're like, what the f- are you doing? Uh, yeah, stop talking, Jerry. Well, that about wraps us on this episode of Bench Points with Con Lefrell, brought to you by Conduct Detrimental. Always Conduct Detrimental, your leader in sports law coverage. Once again, Mike Perlow and Jeremy Torres, a pair of Buffalo Bulls. Excellent, excellent debaters, if I say so myself. Well done, guys. Thanks for coming on. Thank you uh, for having us. Appreciate it. All right. Um, Those guys will be back soon. For all of us here at Conduct Detrimental, I'm Conlon Farrell. See you next week, guys.